Dangerous Podcast, a partnership with Inside the Rink. I'm your host, Jacob Berkowitz, and today we're going to have on Hockey Stat Miner to discuss all about the cap space, all about everything. Do we Can we go after the big fish? Is Hedl the answer? Um, would Patty Kane work? Pierre-Luc Dubois? How does the cap work? Deadline with uh, flat cap also? All that and more. But first, a quick word from our sponsor, and then we'll get right to it. And now a quick word from our show sponsor and friends of Inside the Rink, BetUS. BetUS has your NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lines for the 27th year of live betting. Sign up for BETUS.com with promo code RINK for a 125% sign-up bonus. Again, use promo code RINK for your 125% sign-up bonus. Play with the proven mainstay in the industry, BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS.com. And we are back. Hockey Stat Miner, say hello. Hi, nice to be here. Thanks for having me. How's it going? So, uh, obviously, I just want to ask, you know, before we get this started, uh, you know, what what made you interested in, like, NYR, uh, cap space, and all that? Like, what what started you off? (laughs) Uh, Well, uh, I guess I was a huge nerd growing up, and you know, played hockey in the tri-state area. So I guess I just got into the Rangers and, um, I don't know, here we are, <laughs> here we are today. Uh, I don't know. I, the salary cap really does interest me. It's kind of like this ongoing puzzle. It's this ultimate question of, okay, you have to do all these things, but you have so little room, so little resources to do it. Like what's the best way to go about it? And for some, for a huge nerd like me, that's just, uh, I don't know. It, it's, it's how my mind works. So uh, I love puzzles. I love games. So kind of figuring out how the salary cap works, how the collective bargaining agreement works. Um, you know, it's, it's a natural kind of problem solving way to be a fan, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, like you help us so a lot, like us Rangers fans here, like we, for people who don't know the cabin understanding, you definitely help us, uh, simplify it. And we got to thank you for that. Um, it's all terrific work. So uh, I figured we'd start off with this offseason year. Um, obviously, we'll we'll talk about how it affects the next one soon. But is it possible for the Rangers to go after someone big, or is that just not in the cards for us? Um, we'll see. The way the, the roster is kind of constructed is there's a lot of money tied up and not a lot of guys. And not only that, but those guys, like, are hard to move. Like, you talk about Truba, Panarin, Kreider, Zabanajad, Fox. I'm forgetting someone. Igor. So, those, like, those six guys, they eat up, like, something like half the cap. Um, But not only that, they have full no-movement clauses. So, if you wanted to, let's say, trade them, you would need their permission uh, so that's for the next two years, it's like you have a lot of money tied up and not a lot of guys. And it's really kind of not, this roster isn't really made to be able to cut salary in a switch, in like in one single foul swoop uh, for the next two years. So it's the idea of going out and spending a lot of money on one guy. It's a lot trickier than it has been in the last, let's say over the rebuild um so that being said rangers probably have like it depends it really depends on how you look at it 
but they have like maybe like 10 million to spend this off season. And then you have Kako, you have all the rentals that are walking. You have, uh, you got to replace Georgiev. Um, so it's, it's very, it, it's almost kind of what, you know, it, it, not to sound pessimistic, but it's like they've made their bed. Now they have to sleep in it. I don't know how many, I don't know if you can justify firing another bullet, so to speak, as in uh, signing another one person to another really big contract because this season or this off season and the next off season, uh, the salary cap is going to be an obstacle um, more so next summer than this summer. So is there money? Theoretically? Yes. But you have so much tied up in so little guys right now. Um, it, it's not, it's not as if you can go out and sign another big free agent contract and not, uh, suffer that, you know, the, the consequences of that. Um, so to answer your question, maybe, <laughs> kind right. of. Um, it really depends on term. Um, it depends on what they do. You know, if you trade players out, then maybe some space will open up, but it depends on who those players are and who you're coming and who, what players coming in. And um, so the long and the short of it is the, the Rangers are really – in a tough spot to give out a huge contract this summer. They could do it, um, but they've sort of fired all their big bullets, uh, you know, going back to the Fox and Zibanejad extensions from this summer. So it, it, yes and no, I guess is the best answer. It really depends on what they do or what they don't do around, let's say, signing a big free agent this summer. Got it. I mean, yeah, you mentioned, though, um, possible trades to move out contracts. Who's one that intrigues you possibly moving out? Um, see, that's kind of the, the part of it. it. Like people talk about um, moving out Panarin or Truba or Kreider or whoever. These, these guys have full no movement clauses for at least the next two years. So that means that if, if, if they, if they were to be traded, they not only have to agree to be traded, but they'd have to agree to where they get traded. Um, so that's like kind of a whole barrier in and of itself. Um, so like who can be traded without their permission, you kind of get to the, to the second tier of big contracts. You get, um, Barclay Goodrow, uh, Patrick Nemeth, uh, Ryan Lindgren, Philip Heedle, and then, you know, those guys, but those guys are all making, you know, less than. Four million. I mean, the, 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 that's not a lot of salary to quote unquote dump. Um, so I don't know who who intrigues me the most. I think Nemeth is kind of the guy we're all waiting to see what happens. I'd be surprised if he's still on the roster, um, just from a salary cap perspective. Um, but you know, are they you know are they really going to trade Goodrow this this summer? Um, obviously, the New York Post said something about speculating about Reeves and whether he'll be here or not. I mean, but you know, these are guys that you're not going to free up a lot of salary cap space, moving them because uh, you know, it, you're talking about, you know, two, $3 million. So that's kind of the other thing. It's, you can't really, unless someone waves their ironclad, no, no, uh, no movement clause. It's not like you can free up a lot of caps, you know, quote unquote, a lot of cap space in one move. And I'm not counting on that. Uh, it could happen, but I'm not counting on it. 
I'll believe it when I see it. I'll put it that put it to that way. What would be the uh, cap projection for us if, say, we move Nemeth um, and we resign all the guys that are here right now? Um, well, I guess number one, it depends on how you move Nemeth. There's like a whole slew of things you could do. You could you could trade him fully, and then that's two and a half million off the books. You could trade him, but then you have to retain salary, and then that's obviously less than two and a half. You could bury him, and that would open up a little bit more than a million. Uh, you could buy him out, and that would open up a buck and a half this year, two and a half next year. Um, so there's like how much Nemeth gets actually off the books kind of depends on what they do. Um, and number two, I don't know when you talk about resigning everyone. Um, like there's tacos. obviously a lot of rentals. Okay, yeah. So that's the other thing. It's kind of like they've got a lot of rentals that are now entering unrestricted free agency, and they can't sign all of them. They just simply can't. They don't have the money. So uh, Kako, you can right, – let's make a list. Like Kako, um, I guess that's it, right? Kako. I think so. I think that's yeah. it because Georgi have got shipped out. Right, right, right. Yeah, so – I like I'd say maybe ten, and then depending depending on what you do with Nemeth, and then if you say Kako gets what Philip Heedle got last summer, which I think is a pretty fair, rough projection, um, that leaves you maybe seven and a half ish, quote unquote. Um, so that's what you have left for let's say a backup goalie, um, maybe a defenseman, depending on what you how you slot in Jones, Lundqvist, Robertson. And then, yeah, and then obviously this big gap, which is kind of the big, you know, thing. It's not only the center position, but, you know, you talk about Mott, Vetrano, Strom, Kopp. Uh, you're not going to be able to replace all of them, even in numbers. So do you throw, let's say, four or five million at a short-term unrestricted, unrestricted free agent forward? Um, you know, who, that's kind of maybe, I'd, I'd say like, Four, five, maybe six. Really depends on Nemeth. Really depends on how much you spend on goaltending. Um, but yeah, I'd say four to six kind of is sort of the, the the general number right now, as far as going out and getting a forward on top of Kako to replace the rentals. But it, it, it's so there's so many moving pieces here. It's hard to really so encapsulate like and one number. Like you're saying, like there's so many variables, like it's hard to predict like exactly what angle the Rangers will take. Right. I, I mean, I, I think, yeah, it, it really is. Uh, you could, like, there's like one, like if you think of it as a spectrum, one spectrum is, you know, maybe they just go with the Benajad, Hedl, Goodrow as their top three centers and they kind of nurse some cap space. And then at the next trade deadline, maybe they start thinking about, you know, adding a center or adding another you know, another batch of rentals, whatever you want to, whatever you want to say. Um, but then obviously there's like the other spe- side of the spectrum where it's okay. Maybe they'll go out and spend four or five, six million. Maybe they'll trade Kako and be able to spend seven or 8 million um, on some sort of unrestricted free agent forward. Um, so it, it really, it's hard to come to pin, to pinpoint a number, but it, it's also hard to say, you know, okay, what are the Rangers really willing to commit right now? Right. So let's say Capo um, Caco gets traded. I'm not saying they should do this. I'm not. I'm just speculating here. 
Um, if let's say we tie up a backup goalie for a million bucks and Kako got a bridge deal, I don't know, or got like what Hedl got. I don't know if he would be in the package for Kane. Let's say he isn't. Let's say uh, there are other prospects go the other way. Would like Patty Kane at 50% like be like possible or is that just too much? Um, in theory, it's possible. Yeah. If, if, if Chicago is willing to eat 50% and the Rangers are shipping out Kako, AKA they don't have to spend, let's say two and a half million to resign him. Then yeah, bring him in does like it, the math does work. Um, the only thing is that I don't know how much money there's going to be left for another center. So when I talk about the Banajad, Hedl, Goodrow as maybe your, your top three centers, um, you might be stuck with that. Uh, um, you know, unless it, it, it's really weird because the, the free agent market kind of, there, there's always like these bar, these quote unquote bargain bin free agents that kind of miss the original wave of signings. And there are teams that will get, you know, actually pretty decent guys for pennies on the dollar, you know, weeks after kind of the free agency starts. Um, but yeah, in theory, Patrick Kane, if, if Chicago retains, Chicago has to retain, first of all. Um, but yeah, if then if you throw in Kako or, you know, who, who knows what roster players, that kind of four to six million figure does move up. Like if you trade Kako and you don't have to give him two, two and a half million anymore, you know, that four to six maybe becomes now five to seven or five and a half to seven and a half or whatever you want to call it. Um, so it, it, in theory, it does work, but it's also like they only have so much room to deal with centers. So it's like the Kane thing only works out if you're okay with them not making a decent investment in the center position, if that makes sense. Right. Like I've mentioned before, if you have a guy like Panarin and Kane as your wingers, like as long as he's somewhat decent, you don't really care who your center is. If you get what I'm saying, like yeah, I'm 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 much I'm I'm a lot on the fence about that because it's like. I really do wonder, you know, how much can you get away with not having center depth, even if you have amazing wingers? Um, I, I, you know, I, it's, I'm very, I'm probably kind of skeptical about that because it's like, gosh, I mean, look at these, look at the teams just as playoffs. I mean, you had um, Tampa Bay, they lost Braden Point and they were still able to get all the way as far as they did. You look at Colorado, they lost Kadri. They were still able to get as far as they did. So it's like there's like center talent is one thing, but also center depth is another thing. And if you're really trying to win the cup, I'm very skeptical about, okay, we don't have A, good centers, but B, good center depth, but we have really good wingers. I'm, I'm very – I can get why people will buy into it, but I'm very mm, – I'm skeptical about it. Let's put it that way. Well, would you be skeptical of like Philip Hedl or like, do you think he could break out or you're not, you're like, you're on the fences about that? Um, I, I guess just depth in general. I mean, like Hedl as, you know, the kind of a big question is like, is Hedl good as a 2C? Is he a 3C? Um, for me, it's kind of like, it doesn't matter as long as you kind of maybe have four centers that are really good, um, quote unquote. And it's, this is one thing where, it, it, you know, in the offseason, people project rosters and all that. And there is something to say about depth in the sense that there's injuries. Injuries happen. And so, okay, you know, let's say Philip Hedl gets 
hurt next season? Like, what does the Rangers lineup look like? Um, and, you know, is, <laughs> like, could Bart, you know, what does, if Goodrow has to slide up to 2C, you know, does it even matter how good your wings are? Right. Um, so I, I really, on the one hand, it's like I really value depth. And I think that if you really want to win a Stanley Cup, you need to have center depth. And I think kind of maybe the idea of Patrick Kane or whoever, you know, kind of saying, okay, well, our depth isn't that deep and it isn't that great, but we'll have super good wingers. Um, I tend to doubt it. I tend to, you know, I tend to, I, you just look at these Stanley Cup winners over, over, you know, the last 20 years. Uh, not only were they really good centers, but the depth is really what I think separates you know if, if you're if you're one injury if you're one injury away from being screwed like think of the rangers when strom got hurt um you know that's that's so that makes you so vulnerable but if you have such a depth that one of your best when you uh, one of your best centers can get hurt and you're still just a, 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 an absolute machine in the playoffs i mean you can think back to i think it was 2020 where stamkos like didn't even play in the playoffs and tampa still steamrolled it um so I don't know if you can sidestep that or circumvent that with like, okay, let's just get really, really, really good wingers and we'll have Zibanejad, Hedl, Goodrow as our top three centers um, because injuries happen. Um, I don't, I don't know if you can get away with it, quote unquote, if you're really like, if you're really trying to win the cup next year. So you mentioned that like the depth problem with the center, uh, a guy that comes to mind for me is a guy like, I mean, the UFA uh, market this year isn't great, but one guy that comes to mind who could play if Hedo doesn't live up to it at 2C, but if Hedo does live up to 2C, he could spot down a 3C, his pulse is, uh, is Stastny. Um, mm. Is he a guy that might interest you and would the cap work or you, you would stay away from that? Because I think he's like 36, I think. Yeah, he's... Yeah, he yeah, I think he's he's definitely older than thirty five. Um yeah, Stasny does check a lot of box like just purely as an asset. Um because if you look at kind of okay, run of the mill market, I mean you can pick your poison. It's you know, Trocheck, Strom, Cop, uh Bergeron, Malkin, Drew, you know, whatever whatever. Most of these guys probably A gonna sign for, you know, six, seven million, and they're going to sign for term. I think Stasny kind of separates himself because he could probably be a guy where they can sign him for one or two years and probably not in the six, seven range. I mean, I'm, you can look at uh, Evolving Hockey's contract projections, which are have proven to be pretty darn accurate uh, as far as contract models go. I think they have Stasny's like one, one year at three and a half or 4 million. Um, so that I think just purely as an asset, I think Stasny kind of checks a lot of boxes for the Rangers because they could sign him to a one year deal and they could give him four, four and a half, five million. Um, that's really kind of right in that, in that range without, you know, taking into consideration any trades and his five on five underlyings were have been pretty good in Winnipeg. That's obviously an area where the Rangers want to get better is five on five. Um, so yeah, uh, Stasny, even before you unpack like the player he is, just purely as an asset, 
Uh, I really do think he would check a lot of boxes, and I really could absolutely see the Rangers offering him a one-year, two-year deal um, just to kind of maybe uh, stopgap their center situation. You could sign Stavny to a one-year deal and kind of let him and Heedle play around with two or three. You know, who's going to be the 2C, who's going to be the 3C, let him figure it out in camp. Um, you can give Heedle kind of a quote-unquote audition before you make maybe an, a bigger decision about center next summer. Um, so that Stavny really does kind of separate himself from the rest of the UFA field. As far as what the Rangers salary cap limitations are and maybe kind of, you know, it, what they need slash what they, what they think they're getting with him. So I, I think Stavny checks a lot of boxes that the other centers don't. Is it possible to, if Chicago shipped out uh, to have Kane and Stastny both. So you got the center depth and the winger, or it's only one or the other, like you could only go after one guy. Uh, well, let's say Stastny signs for, let's say 4 million. Let's say Chicago retains Kane. So he's at what? We got to look it up. Oh, Kane, Kane would be at eight, 5 million. Eight. He's making ten million a year. Is it? Say it again. Sorry. Yeah. What's what's Kane's cap at? I'm, I'm I don't even know. It's like eight or nine or ten. Kane's, I think, what it's is ten. It? Ten. Okay. Yeah. So Stasny, let's say for three and a half, four, and then Kane, if they retain fifty percent, which you know you can start imagining what the Rangers have to pay for that. Um, yeah, that's that's going to eat up into a lot of their money. So Kako's gone. Um, I, you're, you're assuming that Nemeth has been ejected with no cost. So you found maybe someone to take on his full contract. Uh, and then you have no money for like, a like you're paying minimum backup goalie. Um, you're paying minimum for kind of the Nemeth replacement or the Braun replacement. Um, so in theory that could work, but it's, that would be cutting it awfully close. Um, and again, I've, It'd be Kako and who? I mean, I'm very, I'm very curious what the Rangers would actually pay for Kane or any anyone really. If if you get the other team to retain fifty percent, um, generally speaking, that's a very costly proposition. You can think back to the Keith Yandel trade when Arizona retained fifty percent of his contract. Uh, you know that that kind of stuff doesn't come cheap, even if the other team's like a rebuilding non-playoff team. You know what I mean? Right. Um, what, what do you think about though possibly like Nemeth's replacements? Like we have guys in our system, or do you think they should go the minimum contract veteran route? Yeah, um, you know, it, it it's very much up in the air. I you could think maybe like you could have Jones, Schneider, and Lundqvist kind of this trio that is kind of taking up the, the third pair. I mean, maybe. Um, but you know, if you sign, let's say, and I, going back to like the bargain bin, uh, the quote unquote bargain bin part of free agency, I mean, if you sign someone for like one year, $1 million, it, it costs the same. So, uh, from a salary cap standpoint, you know, there's a lot of room there. There's a lot of, you know, every year there's a lot of left-handed defensemen that are unrestricted free agents that theoretically could work on your third pair. Um, so I'm, I'm a lot more open to that 
I do think that if the Rangers are going to make a big trade this summer, that, you know, obviously Jones, Lundqvist, Robertson, they're kind of like, they're going to be the first to go because the Rangers have strength, or I should say, Rangers have depth in their defensive prospects. And if they want to address the lack of depth in, let's say, the center position, that's where they're going to, that's where we're going to start. I mean, it's, how, how are the Rangers going to trade for, be it Kane or be it a center or whoever, you know. Like Dubois. It, it seems, right, yeah, Dubois, perfect example, yeah. So, it, you know, those are the guys that are going to go first. So, part of it's kind of like, we'll see if they're still here, <laughs> depending on what trades Jury maybe makes. Um, but, if you know, if they're all still here, uh, it's almost like from a cap standpoint, you know, it, it doesn't make much difference between Zach Jones and, you know, if you sign someone for a one-year, $1 million deal. Mm-hmm. And you think, like, the goalie, do you believe in a guy like Kincaid, or you think they got to go after someone, and who could it be since, you know, the salary cap isn't, you know? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, the backup goalie market this year seems a lot more shallow than other years, um, and I think maybe, I mean, I was blown away by the Gorgiev trade. I got it totally wrong. I thought like it'd be like, oh, it'd be great if he could get like a six for him. And I, oh yeah, it was terrific. Yeah, so I think that maybe is like kind of a canary in the coal mine of how teams view goaltending this offseason because the market is pretty shallow. Um, so it, that's that's a, that's like another like uh, moving piece. It's how much do the Rangers spend on a backup goalie? Um, you know, do they go the Kincaid route? Do they go for someone maybe like, you know, Comrie or Lindgren, uh, you know, you name it, but it's, that's, that's, that moves the needle. If they're spending $800,000 on Kincaid or 1.8 on, you know, whoever, um, that obviously affects how much they can spend on center, how much they can spend on a trade acquisition. I, you know, every penny counts. That's kind of the, that's the overlying that's going to be the overlying overlying theme this summer and next summer is like you know some something moves give or take five hundred thousand dollars uh that's a lot that that affects their choices and their range and what they can do so um we'll see it, it, it it's really wide open as far as i'm i can tell but yeah i mean if they if they want to resign kincaid and say you know what we're gonna get we're gonna we're gonna play 20 22 games next year with replacement level goaltending uh, for cheap. I, you know, I could see that, but I could also see them saying, you know, we'll spend a little more for someone who's hopefully maybe more like an average goalie. Um, and you have to kind of outbid other teams for that. But, uh, you know, it, we'll, we'll see. I, I, <laughs> I don't know the long and short of it, I guess. Why is it that like next season is like kind of intertwined with this one? Like, you, uh, you can't really mess around with the salary cap this year because of next year, like with Laugh and Miller. Like, how do those two play a role? Like, what happens if they break out? Like, Miller, like, how, how would you explain it best that, like, how they have to, like, you know, uh, they're on a tightrope here regarding this season because of next season? Yeah, so, as I said, you know, you have a lot of money tied up and not a lot of guys. You know, Panarin's, Benajad, Kreider, Fox, Truba, Igor. Um, those guys aren't going anywhere. And even if you wanted to trade one of them, like Panarin or Truba or Kreider, 
they have full no movement clauses that don't expire until two years from now. So this summer and next summer are going to be kind of like, it's not easy to cut big salary. Um, so if you want, like, like if people talk about Strom or cop, you could probably sign, you could probably sign him and make it work. But the next summer, that cap, it's going to be there. Presumably they'll have a no movement clause too, because that's, you know, what big free agent is going to sign a deal where he doesn't have a clause in year two of the deal. And then, yeah, next year it's Lafreniere, Miller, Beetle, Kraftsoff. Um, all these guys are expire, are restri- restricted free agents. Um, so it, it's almost like it's, it's harder and harder to cut salary. And next year we'll see how it goes, but you're going to have more and more guys up for pay raises. So, you know, if you could sign Copperstrom this like this summer, but you're going to absolutely have to weigh that against what could or could not be happening next summer. And it's like guided by this kind of notion that there's no easy way to cut big salary. There's no theoretically easy way to eject a bunch of salary real quick. So yeah, uh, this summer is tough. Next summer is going to be tougher. After that, it's a lot more wide open. So why is it like so tough with the flat cap? How did that like work? Cause I understand that with the revenue and all that with the NHL, um, what exactly happened with the, how does the flat cap work and why is it like 1 million per year? Like, well, how does that all work? Right. So, uh, the salary cap ceiling, um, is kind of tied to hockey related revenue. And what happened during COVID was there was such a drought of revenue, like in theory, like in, in absolute theory, the 2021 season, the salary cap should have gone from like 80 million to 40 million. You know what oh, I mean? Wow. Like that's kind of, yeah. Like, so I, I'm not, I'm not perfect on the numbers, but it was like something like that. Obviously that, that wasn't practical. I mean, can you, it, I, it literally couldn't, NHL could not function that way. Um, so they kind of kept the, the salary cap where it is, but kind of artificially keeping it at 80 million when it should have gone down by half, that sort of created like, it created a, a lag. It, I mean, obviously, the real term is like it was a debt, um, but it, it, it's a lag. And now you have to kind of pay off that lag before things go back to normal and revenue kind of has this direct relationship with the salary cap. So it's going to be a couple of years because, um, you know, it's, you know, it's not just 40 million. It's, you know, think about it like 40 million times, 30 teams or whatever and you know it's a little over a billion dollars um so that's kind of being paid off and uh yeah i think like 20 gosh i'm not perfect with the numbers but it's like you know the salary cap isn't going to explode again until i don't know 2025 or something like that so for now it's kind of they're paying off this covid lag really is what it is and they're just kind of artificially increasing the salary cap 1 million. So you see all these, you know, crazy ESPN revenues, but it's, it doesn't mean anything until that COVID lag is paid off. That's kind of the, you know, steak and potatoes of it. Got it. And something I, I wanted to also understand regarding the salary cap and all that is like, I, I, I kind of figured it out, but then I totally forgot how it worked. 
uh, trade deadline cap space? Like if let's say we wait, we have the team we have now, maybe at Stastny, how much would we theoretically have? Let's say you take out Nemeth, you resign Kako to the Hedo deal and you just have Stastny at 4 million. Like, I'm not going to ask like an exact number because there's so many variables, but uh, what, how does it, how does the deadline space cap space work? Um, okay. So let me see here. So it, it's kind of, it's, I like to use the analogy of uh, rollover minutes. Like if people are old enough to remember how cell phone plans used to have rollover minutes, it'd be like every month you get a hundred minutes, but if you didn't use that hundred minutes, whatever you didn't use rolled over to the next month and then the next month and the next month. So if I had a rollover plan of a hundred minutes a month, but I only, you know, used, let's say 50, I only actually used 50 minutes a month. By the end of the year, like that last month, you could use hundreds of minutes, even though it's only a hundred a month, you've kind of banked these minutes. That's really the name of the game of the salary cap. Um, you know, the salary cap is 82.5 million. What that actually means is a team can have 82.5 million in cap hit per day. And the season is about 180 days. So once you get to the deadline, which is usually like day 140, give or take, um, if you've kind of been using a lot less, all of a sudden you can kind of splurge all those banked minutes, you know, all, all those banked dollars. So like a rule of thumb is like, I think like a million, if you're a million dollars under the cap every day, once you get to the deadline, you're going to have four or $5 million in space. That's generally how the math works out. Um, it's per day. It's, it's not per game. It's not per week. It's not per, per year. It's per day. That's really how the math works. So yeah, if the Rangers like can, let's say just be a million dollars under the cap, under the cap ceiling, every day from October 13th or whatever to the deadline day, they're going to have four or 5 million that they can add and and can like, quote unquote, go above the cap. You know what I mean? So that's, that's generally how it works. So if you really want to like do something at the deadline, like a four or $5 million acquisition, you're going to have to be probably about a million dollars under the cap each day. Um, Obviously, last season, a big reason why the Rangers had kind of this unlimited cap space situation, they were like $7 million under the cap every day until the deadline, more or less. So by the time the deadline got there, they were like $30 million they could add, which they, you know, they added a lot. So that's, that's generally how it works. You have to kind of do the math to figure it out. But if they're a million dollars under the cap every day from October to you know, March or whatever the deadline is going to be this year, uh, they'll be able to add, you know, a four or five million dollar contract, no problem. So one more question before we get off here, um, I just wanted to ask if Tro, like a guy like Pierre Dubois, Vincent Trocheck, like the guys you mentioned before, who's the guy you think would be the most reasonable to get if it is at all possible? Uh, I'm sorry, you cut out. Are you talking about moat, like the no movement clause guys? No, um, I'm saying like if you ship out a guy, even Hedo, like if you get like, uh, say, one of Kako or Hedo out, like you could do that. You could train Nemeth. Like if you were the GM right now, what, what would your offseason be like? Oh, boy. Um, gosh. 
there's so many pieces. It, it depends on what I could get for each for any given person, I suppose. Um, the problem, the problem with he, like moving Hito, like regardless of what you think of Hito, is like okay, if you move him, now you have the Benajed and a whole lot of nothing at center. Like Hito is like two point three million. So even if he's maybe let's say like an, like an underperforming third center, like that's still a good rate to pay. So the one thing with moving Hedl is kind of like I don't know how you move Hedl and then use that very little cap space, like that freed up cap space, to do something better. Um, so I kind of I, I almost put Hedl like in a way different hemisphere than Kako because it's like okay, Kako they've got a lot of wingers, da da da. Um, but with Hedl, it's like, you know, <laughs> what do you trade? Even if you trade Hedl for another center, like you still kind of have this depth issue where like, okay, is Goodrow your third center now? Like you still need someone. Um, but gosh, uh, if I was GM, uh, yeah, I, I, it's hard to answer. Cause it's like, it dep- I'd, I'd have to know what everyone, what anyone was willing to pay for everyone. And then that would take it. Right. Um, I'm know. saying, would like Trocheck work at all, or like it's no shot? Uh, like say five, like six point five. Like, is that even gonna work? In in theory, it could. It just you know you're gonna have a hell of a problem next. You know you might have to trade Miller and Laugh next summer. Who knows? Oh wow. Um, yeah, I mean you know I, that's especially with the way Miller possible, played in the playoffs. Right. It it really you know a lot of. It's, like a big question mark is what is Laugh going to make next year? What is Miller going to make next year? What is Heedle going to make next year? And we don't really know because like, obviously the nature of the game is your, whatever you do in your contract year really sets the tone for what you make that summer. So we kind of have this huge chunk of, you know, how, how much are these, are these guys going to be worth next summer? And we don't know that we can maybe set a range per se, but the kind of operational standpoint is it's much easy. It's going to be a lot harder to clear space for them as it is to, you know what I mean? It, like right. those guys all have career career years next year. You're going to have a hell of a time <laughs> moving other guys to make sure that, that, you know, that's when you talk about moving Goodrow or moving Lindgren. Um, which are like unideal, but it's like that, that might be your only option to keep well, how those much guys. Cap do we have next year, theoretically, if the roster we have now, uh, gosh, uh, there's go through it Panarin, Zibanejad, Kreider, Goodrow, uh, Fox, Truba, Lindgren, uh, Schneider, Lund, uh, Lundqvist, maybe. I mean, that's going to be. That's going to run you about sixty million, so you're going to have like twenty three million to figure out everything else around that. <laughs> so it's going to be tight. It's going to be, it it it's it's one of the situations where it's a lot harder to create cap space, and it's a, theoretically a lot more easier for guys to demand more cap space. That's kind of the that's the big danger about a cop or a strom or a trocheck is like you can do that now, and you know, maybe if you win the cup in 2023, it's all worth it. But if you commit to that and theoretically that free agent is just as hard to move as these other guys, like it's like good luck creating space. Like you might have to trade um, one of these young kids that break, that has a career career year next year. Um, so it's this year and next year is just, 
you're you're walking a very fine line and you can't unless you're signing like a one-year deal like a stasny you can't really think about this offseason without thinking about next offseason so that's that's kind of this boat that drew's in now got it well uh hockey's down minor before we go uh you want to give uh twitter and i'm sure a lot of people know you're ready but just in case you want to tell them what you do uh your twitter handle all that stuff yeah, uh, follow me at Hockey Stat Miner at Twitter, and I will be doing a lot of nerdy stuff this summer as the Rangers <laughs> do stuff, hopefully. Got it. All right, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, and I, I say for all Rangers fans, thank you so much for what you uh, do for us, uh, making the cat more simplified, helping us explain everything. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll have you on another time. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's been great. Uh, yeah, hopefully we'll